0: Hi, everybody. This is Billy West, and I do a lot of cartoon voices. And you're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's Colossal Amazing Podcast. You're one stop for that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre and our engineer Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a singer, composer, Grammy nominated recording artist, classically trained pianist, one of the most gifted and prolific and frequently covered songwriters of the century. A genuine rock and roll pioneer. His iconic, instantly recognized songs have filled our ears for decades. O'Carroll, Breaking Up Is Hard To Do, Calendar Girl, Happy Birthday Sweet Sixteen, Bad Blood, Should Have Never have Let You Go, Laughter In The Rain, Love In The shadows. Solitaire, and The Hungry Years. He's also written dozens of hits for other recording artists, including Connie Francis' hit Where the Boys Are and the Captain and Tenille smash hit Love Will Keep Us Together. In a career spanning more than 60 years, he's written an astonishing 700 songs and many have been covered by some of the greatest musical artists of the century, including Frank Sinatra, Johnny Mathis, The Carpenters, Andy Williams, Frankie Valli, and The Four Seasons, Abba, Shirley Bassey, Patsy Cline, Bobby Darin, Barry Manilow, Tom Jones, and Elvis Presley, just to name a few. You want more from the man? He's also written children's songs and classical works, performed to sold-out theaters and arenas all over the world. And in 1983, he was inducted into the prestigious Songwriters Hall of Fame, and after seven decades in showbiz, he's still writing and performing with upcoming concert dates, booked in Canada, California, and Hawaii, Frank and I are genuinely thrilled to welcome to the podcast a living legend and a man who Billy Joel calls the Davy Crockett of rock and roll, the pride of Brighton Beach, Brooklyn, Neil Sadaka. What
1: an introduction! How do I follow that? My goodness! Thank you, Gilbert. Thank you,
0: Frank.
2: Thank you. You're welcome, and, Neil. You've done a lot.
0: And and I'm here uh, with as a guest uh, an, a fellow Brooklyn Jew. That's right. I was born in Brighton
1: Beach, right on the water. As a matter of fact, I had the honor of having a street named after me, right on on the boardwalk, Coney Island Avenue in Brighton Beach and i went on the cyclone in your <laughs> neck of the woods yes. and i had nathan's frankfurters and the greasy french fries they were delicious <laughs> and uh, that's a wonderful way to grow up on the water it is beautiful
2: uh, i heard yeah. you say you, you were so jewish you would go months without seeing a wasp
1: <laughs> i thought, I thought it's the in your whole, book <laughs> i thought the whole world was jewish <laughs> and it was strange in brooklyn it was me, Barbara Streisand, Barry Manilow, Neil Diamond lived mm-hmm. across the street, Carol King I dated, and uh, it was a, kind
0: of in, in the egg creams, I think, in the egg creams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember my parents, we lived in Brooklyn, and once we decided as an exotic vacation to rent a bungalow in Brighton Beach, which is like five minutes away That's from right. Coney Island. That's right, Brighton Beach Baths. They had the private pools
1: and the paddle tennis, and uh, you had to stamp your hand to go into the public beach so you can come back into the private beach. It was a great way to
0: grow up. And can can we, well, well, like Frank always uh, tells our guests, we jump around. Can you tell us, uh, well, when you were a child, the very st- Strange uh, thing your mother confessed to you. My mother
1: confessed. Oh, you you did your
0: research. (laughs) First time a guest
2: has ever said that. The first time he's (laughs) done his research, Neil, you should be honored.
1: Shall I say it all?
2: (laughs) Yes. You can tell it if you want. My
1: mother had a lover, and she asked my sister and I if it was okay. I was 19 years old. I said, Mom, if you're happy, go right ahead. Why not? My father was a darling, sweet as sugar, but very cheap. (laughs) (laughs) He was Maxie the taxi. He was a taxi driver. And he said, oh, if this guy buys you presents and takes you to dinners, wonderful. (laughs) So he had, my mother had his his, uh, okay, and she had a lover, unfortunately- As the years went on, I was a mama's boy. Whatever my mother said, I did. She said, I think we should make Benny your manager. And Benny was an air conditioning salesman. He knew nothing, (laughs) nothing, nothing about show business. And uh, the career went down the hill. And uh, all the furs and the jewels that my mother, I thought he was buying, I was buying, and uh, after about four years, I said uh, we had a long enough uh, relationship, and I let, I let him go. My mother took an overdose of sleeping pills. It's yes, in the book, wild. Yeah, she was, uh, you know, very upset. Her lover and her son were at odds. And, um, but we made up, you know, my mother's my mother. She was great.
2: Sure, sure. You know, I was, one of my favorite parts of the book is how idyllic you describe growing up in Brooklyn, which you guys were just touching upon with the, the egg creams and the the wop groups and and the way you describe Brighton Beach I mean it really it sounds like a wonderful getaway stoop ball and stick ball and fireworks and and the town turned into an ocean resort and you had the Dodgers your dad would take you to to Ebbets Field to see the Dodgers 60 cents at Ebbets Field yeah.
1: in the bleachers
0: Yeah uh Jackie Robinson and Roy Campanella Sure Gil Hodges see, it sounds like a wonderful way now, to grow up Now I grew when I was growing up in Crown Heights uh that was after uh, Coney Allen. To me, Ebbets Field, it was so weird. when they, Whenever they say, oh, the great baseball place, Ebbets Field. And to me, it was like, a, a, you know, this scrappy housing development. I know, but it was, uh, uh, it was a
1: historical place, yes. It that was, was the project. It was, it was.
2: You grew up with women. You grew up with, let's just say in the book, seven women taking care of you.
1: I lived in a two-bedroom apartment in Brighton Beach with 11 people. My mother, my father, my sister, my grandparents, and my father's five sisters. Uh, One bathroom. One by one, the sisters got married, and it was me and my sister, who I adored, and um, my mother and father, and uh, it was a... I I was babied and, uh,
0: you know, I was the special kid. Right, right. You described it as happy years. Very happy. Yeah. And and you said, I think in the second grade, it was a very observant teacher.
1: Yes. Uh, Mrs. Glance. Oh, Mrs. Glance. Evelyn Glance. I have her here. I was in second grade and she conducted the choir. And for some reason or other, she saw that I had some musical ability at eight years old. And she put me in front of the choir, and I conducted the choir. And she con- convinced my parents to buy a piano. And we couldn't afford a piano. So my mother took a job at a and Department Store as a sales lady. And after she made $500, she bought me a secondhand upright piano. And I studied with Murray Newman, who was a, uh, uh, a teacher in Brighton Beach for one year. And he said, I can't teach him anymore. He's, uh, he's a genius. Uh, let's, uh, you know, uh, try out for the Juilliard Prep School. So I got a scholarship for the prep school as a pianist and went there for from nine years old to 17 and then two years to the Juilliard College studying to be a concert pianist. But there was no money in it. There was no
2: I was going to ask you that question later if that was something you ever entertained.
1: My yeah. mother said, "You're going to be a rock and roller." And after the first hit, she got used to it. I bought her the mink stole. She called <laughs> it the Hadassah Talis <laughs> <laughs> And she said, "I think you should continue with this rock and roll. I like
2: it. got used to it fast.
1: I like it. <laughs> Yeah. When you
2: first heard music, which I found fascinating, too, in, in, in your story, that was your grandma's Turkish records, which you had no absolutely no interest in.
1: My grandparents came from Istanbul, Turkey, moved to uh, Lower East Side in New York, and uh, when they had friends over, they played these weird Turkish music, and it scared the shit out of me. I, wa- I, 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 locked, my, I locked myself in the bathroom because I heard this crazy music. And uh my mother tells me that when I was an infant, I wouldn't eat until the radio was playing music.
2: Wow, so Neil Sadak's introduction to music was to was his first reaction was to run and lock himself in the bathroom in the
0: bathroom yeah, Do, would, that's would, good press. Would you remember enough to play any segment of the Turkish music? Oh my God.
1: That's all I can remember. Wow! wow.
2: That's all I Not can remember. Bad. <laughs> 75 years later. Too high. <laughs> so your aunt started bringing home American records yes, and everything plot changed. Us.
1: My Aunt Molly used to take me to the movies, Oceana Theater, and Doris Day, my God, my favorite. And she bought placas, because they spoke Spanish. The Sephardic Jews spoke Spanish. So yo puedo hablar muchas palabras en Español. And she introduced me to American records, uh, Les Paul and Mary Ford. I listened to, um, uh, what's his name, Martin Block's Hit, uh, hits oh, of the make believe ballroom. ballroom. Sure, I heard uh, Les Paul and Mary Ford, uh, Doris Day. I heard uh, Rosemary Clooney, Patty Page, Patty Page. All that stuff. Yes, yeah. and the multiple voices. I loved when they sang with themselves. Uh, I loved harmony singing because I started a group in in Lincoln called the Tokens, which was a doo-wop group. Yep. And I loved harmony singing. I learned it from listening to those people.
0: How how many languages do you speak? I can only
1: speak Spanish and English, but I sang in six languages. I was the first American rock and roller to go to all of the foreign countries because Elvis didn't go there. And uh, I went to Japan. They thought I was Japanese because of the name (laughs) (laughs) Sedaka. Love that. (laughs) And there was a big poster of me on the Ginza Strip with slanted eyes.
0: Oh, jeez. Because the people,
1: the people didn't uh, see me. They heard the name, and uh, they thought I was American-born Japanese.
0: Okay, I have to put you on the spot again. Can you sing anything in Japanese right now?
1: Oh, my God, I can't.
0: Oh, okay. Can I you, Gilbert? Can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. You stumped me. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> Tell Gilbert. Us if, uh,
2: Gilbert will love this. You, you auditioned for Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts. I did, and they
1: said uh, uh, there were thousands of kids with the show business mothers, Uh and I went to three auditions. I got to the end. There were five people, but they only had four. Godfrey used to have a Christmas show with children, and there were four left, and um, they said uh, they called up my mother and said, he's very good, but can he play with his elbows? (laughs) Because we want something unusual, gimmicky. <laughs> something gimmicky. I played... Uh, and they said, very good, but can he play with his elbows? <laughs> my but God. I, And thank God I was eliminated because I would have shit in my pants <laughs> to be on the Arthur, Arthur Godfrey Show. <laughs> I was so glad I was eliminated. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. Neil, your first public singing <laughs> performance, and Gilbert will appreciate this as well. Yes, your, your bar mitzvah.
0: oh
1: I remember my haftorah Oh, please, <laughs> you've got a great memory. A the the cantors were crying. They said to my mother, "He's going to be a cantor." Oh no! Oh no! He's going to be a concert pianist. That's what I want. That's what she wanted.
2: Wow. We have so we have your aunt to thank and Mrs. Glantz. That's right. Two turning points. That's right. Yeah, that, yeah.
0: That's an amazing teacher to have. That could spot that. Yes. Yeah. Evelyn Glantz. And
2: it's sweet that your mom went and got a job so she could buy you a piano. Mm-hmm. You pay for the music lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very touching.
1: And I, uh, you know, I started to write. Uh, I wrote Stupid Cupid, as you said, Connie Francis, Where the Boys Are. Sure. And the teachers at Juilliard said, we're losing you. We're losing you to rock and roll. They knew it. They knew it, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Tell us about meeting Howard, too, because that's another turning point.
1: Uh, I was at the Catskill Mountains. Howard Greenfield. Howard Greenfield lived in the same building. I was 13, he was 16. And uh, his mother, Ella Greenfield, heard me playing at the Kenmore Lake Hotel. I was practicing my... <laughs> My Beethoven. Beethoven? And she said to Howie, You should try to write songs with him. And Howie was uh, a little heavy, obese to be exact. And uh, we called him Fat Howie. It was terrible. It was disgusting of us. We were kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And he rang my bell in, I remember the date, October the 11th, 1952. He's, he rang my bell. And I said, Howie, what, what do you want? He said, my mother heard you playing classical music. Would you like to write a song? I said, I, I don't know how to write songs. I'm starting to be a concert pianist. And he convinced me to write this terrible song... A, my life's devotion is loving you only. And my heart says to you, I'll always be true. You'll never be lonely. It was like an, an Xavier Cougat in my head. Xavier Cougar. And, and how, he, how he loved rhymed. My life is madness. It's sadness. It burns with desire. Yearning, just burning. My soul is on fire. Dear, I'm a slave and you're just the sire of love. And he, we wrote the song... And I heard my voice on his tape recorder. He had a wire recorder. It was before tape. Wow. A wire recorder. And I heard my voice. I said, hmm, not not bad. (laughs) But the song stinks. The song stinks. (laughs) And and my sister said, that's the worst song I ever heard. She was honest. (laughs) She was honest. There's a million people who could write and sing songs. Forget (laughs) it. Go back to your classical music.
2: So you were not collaborators for a while.
1: We you, did start writing. He came back, and okay. the songs got a little better, okay. a little better. And kids in school, there was a, a Ballyhoo shows. They would sing our first songs, and uh, they got a little bit better, not much. But then I went to Atlantic Records. I rode the subway from Brighton Beach to 57th Street. And I'm at Erdogan and Jerry Wexler with the presidents of Atlantic sure, Records. Sure. And I sold three songs to the Cardinals, the Clovers, the Cookies. I had two R&B hits at 16 years old. I had um, uh, Clyde McFadda, Since You've Been Gone, and I Waited Too Long by Laverne Baker. So I was a full-fledged songwriter. I said, what about my voice? Why don't you record my voice? They said, it's a little weird. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Wow. Not, who said it was a little weird, Jerry Wexler? He did.
1: But God rest his soul. Before he died, he called me up. He said, "I kicked myself in the shins for not signing you as a
0: singer." I, I like that. Wow. wow! 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 And and how did you wind up in uh, in the Brill Building? I went to school with Mort Schumann, who was a great writer for the
1: uh, for Elvis and the Drifters. He wrote with uh, Doc Pomus. And Howie and I were uh, trying to sell songs to Hill and Range Music at 1619, which was the older writers. And we were turned down. And Mort Schumann said, oh, across the street are young publishers looking for young writers. So we went in, Al Nevins and Don Kirshner, Alden Music. Alden
2: Music, sure.
1: And we went in and we played our songs. They said, where did you steal these songs? (laughs) Because we were pizzalers. We were were little kids. (laughs) (laughs) I played, stupid cupid, you're a real mean guy. Likes to clip you. And Donnie Kirchner said, I know Connie Francis. I said, Donnie Francis? She had the number one record, Who's Sorry Now? And he took me to her house, and I played all my best ballads, and she was bored to death. (laughs) And then I I played Stupid Cupid eight bars. She said, that's my next record. Because at that that time in 1958, a girl didn't sing rock and roll. So she took Stupid Cupid and went to the top 15. Now,
0: the Brill Building, I heard that. That wasn't a place where you waited for your muse to hit or woke up with a melody in your head. It was like, you know, if you want to get paid, we want this many hit songs a week. We were it was a great training. We had an
1: office with a piano and a desk. And we went in five days a week. You and Howie, me and Howie, yeah. ten in the morning till five in the afternoon, five days a week. It was a great way to learn the craft. And uh, the next room was uh, Carol and Jerry, Carol King and Jerry Goffin, and then Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil. Sure. and uh, oh my God. And it Jack was Jack
2: Keller and Jack
1: Keller, yeah. Hank Hunter. Hank Hunter. Um, and it was great competition. The the best song won, and you got the Righteous Brothers or the Chiffons. And, uh, you know, it was great. It was great, but it was good, good
2: uh, competition. Good comp- Did you guys meet during the day and, and schmooze and talk? What are you working on? Exchange ideas? Absolutely. You- yeah. Just
1: like the carol show. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, we went into the red piano. Al Nevins had a beautiful red piano. And uh, we would play our songs. And the Chiffons were up for a new record. They had just had He's So Fine. And I played mine. <laughs> the kids are singing now. Happy birthday, sweet 16. And so I smile and say. I thought it was great. And then Carol came up and sang on the red piano. Um, let me think. uh uh. What was that song? She won it anyway. She won the... She she got the follow-up to He's So Fine. Uh, I think it was called uh, One Fine Day. One fine day. Not as good as mine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh. But you weren't only trying to write hits, if I understand this correctly. As a classical trained musician, you said you were trying to write something a little deeper than bubblegum. Songs that were a little bit more... Had a little bit more complexity to them.
1: Yes, and as a matter of fact, Bob Dylan in his book said... I loved The Brill Building, and I loved Neil Sedaka because he was the first one to sing his own songs. And um, I considered uh, a Girl and and uh, Breaking Up His Heart to Do and Stairway to Heaven as Balabatish songs. They were not bubblegum songs. Sure, sure, sure. They were well written. Howie Greenfield was a marvelous lyricist. He was absolutely great. And it took me a while to get the confidence to write my own lyrics. And Johnny Mercer said the most smart thing. He said, it takes great talent to write a melody, but it takes great courage to write a lyric. And he was so right.
0: Wow. It took me a couple of years to get the courage. And and to make sure you wrote hit songs, you actually studied uh, songs. Like every song that was a hit, you figured yes. out. Uh, Donnie Kirscher
1: said, write another Little Darling. You got to write a Little (laughs) Darling. No problem. Without stealing it. (laughs) And we know Little Darling. Little Darling. Oh, Carol. I am but a fool. And I was dating Carol King, so it was very meaningful to me. And RCA was dropping me. After the diary, my first hit, I had two flops and they said, We're letting you go. I said, Oh, give me another chance. Give me another chance. And I wrote O'Carroll, which sold three million records.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Nice bounce back. Nice bounce back. I knew Len Maxwell, by the way, a name that turned up in your book. You're kidding. Yeah, I knew him. Yeah.
1: I was well, working at the Lake Tarleton Club in New Hampshire. He was a great comedian. Yeah. Do You know who Len Maxwell, Gil? Oh, He's yeah. A comedian. Yeah. Wait a minute. He yeah. heard me Wait, playing.
0: was he the voiceover guy? Yes. Yeah. Yes, great, absolutely. He was my guy. first how manager. How about a great Hawaiian, I, how would the, you like a he Hawaiian He was the voice punch? of the Hawaiian
2: punch. Yes. He yeah. was the
0: voice in uh, the Woody Allen picture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's very, up, Tiger he's, Lily?
2: He's more, he's very talented. A lovely man.
1: He, I was working in Lake Tarleton Club with a band. I was 16, 17 years old. And he heard me. He said, you you could be a star. You're writing these songs. And he took me on the Milt Grant show in Baltimore. He took me on the Buddy Dean
0: show in Baltimore. And he was my first manager. Very, he, cla- very I, clever. I, I Man. used to see him at the improv all the time he'd hang out. Mm-hmm. And he was one of those guys who, he did a zillion character
2: voices. He did. Great voice guy.
0: And I said, do you ever talk in your own voice? And he says, I have about 10 My own voices. So I'd have like 10 voices that sounded perfectly normal.
1: And And he was that good at it.
2: He was marvelous. He introduced you to Phil Ramone?
1: He introduced me to Phil Ramone. I did some demos and Phil Ramone added instruments to them, Uh, two uh, non hits, but it was a thrill. He came to my house with a Decca Records, and uh, I had a record called Laura Lee on Decca Records. And he had put all the instruments over my piano demo. Nice. And then he wanted money. He called my mother and he said, Neil has a record, a hit, the diary. Where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> and my mother said, what? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Who? Who? Who are you?
2: <laughs> I love that you're still doing diary and concert. So my my oh, wife and I, as I told I you, not? saw you Sunday.
1: How I'd like to look into that little book. That's great to have the first hit record, yeah.
2: It still sounds great.
0: <laughs> you know And you you said that you had this thing, the way you would write your own hits was like the sandwich. It was a sandwich song. Howie and I
1: would start with a little introduction, then the meat of the song and end with the same riff. So uh I love I love, I love, I love my calendar girl Each and every day of the year That was the beginning And then the meet January You start the year off fine And it ended I love, I love, I love my calendar girl We did that with eight eight hits in a row. We overdid it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love how you were playing the other night and you said, I have no ending for this, so I faded out the record. (laughs) (laughs) We had no ending... (laughs)
1: We ha- we could tell a whole story in two and a half minutes. Right. And in those days that's all the disc jockeys would play, two and a half minutes. Right. And I had no ending so we faded out the record.
0: We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing Colossal Podcast but first a word from our sponsor. And, and you right. said one time Billy Joel uh, was saying that he came up with a great melody. Yes. Uh,
1: yeah. Let's see. I was in a a restaurant in the Hamptons, and he came over. He was a little high, <laughs> and he said, I wrote a melody a couple of months ago. and I called my band in the middle of the night. The great he said, You got to come over. The greatest melody I ever wrote. And he played this melody, and they said, Billy, it's great, but it's Neil Sedaka's melody. Mrs. O'Leary's grocery store Worked at an for a penny They said, it's great, but it's Neil Sedak Strolling along country roads with my babe. And then it, Mrs. O'Leary's grocery store For a penny He had to change the melody
2: <laughs> Otherwise i nice. would have sued him Hilarious <laughs> That's great, Neil uh, It's like, we had, uh, we, as I told you, we had Ron Dante, we had Tony Orlando here. We're oh. talking about the, those Brill Building days. Oh, great! And it's just, and your book paints such a vivid picture. You know, Car- you describe Carol King's carrying her baby,
1: yes. in a
2: harness, and you could hear, you could hear other uh, other composers from down the hallway. Mm-hmm. It just, it must have been such a you taking the train from 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 Bro- Brooklyn every day and punching that clock. And
1: it was a marvelous time. Great. The song sounded alike because the walls were very thin. So after a while, the song sounds alike. But it was young people writing for a young market. The magic was we would go in, write a song, have an artist uh, sing it. And three weeks later, it was on the chart. Amazing. It was amazing.
2: And you hung out at Hanson's Drugstore, which has oh, come up on wow. this show. With Bobby Darren. With Bobby Darren. May
1: God rest him, yes. Yeah. Everybody hung
0: out
2: there. Every, every comedian we've had, old school comedian we've had on this show <laughs> hung out at Hanson's.
1: Bobby said, why are you so attached to your mother? Stop it. Stop it. Don't give money to your mother. Uh, and he loved the, the way I played. So I played on Dream Lover,
0: and I played on many of his records. He was a great, great artist. And, and I heard, like they always said with Bobby Darin, he, he knew he was going to die young, mm-hmm. and he wanted to get everything done yes. really quick. And he could have been the next. He
1: was on his way to be the next Frank Sinatra. No doubt about it. And he dated Connie Francis. Her father didn't like him, and he broke it up. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he knew that he he didn't have a long life, unfortunately. he was. I saw him at the Copacabana. I'll never forget it. One of the great entertainers. He could tell jokes. I'll he bet. could play the drums. He could play the piano. He was marvelous. Gilbert,
2: you never saw him live, did you? No, oh, I no. wish. I came along too late. I know We're he did. We're great admirers. He really? did imitations too. Yeah, disgrace. Yeah. Did he say to you at Hanson's, "You're a hit. You're a hit songwriter. Why are you taking the subway?" Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he did. I gave
1: it all to my mother.
2: <laughs> Hilarious. Tell us about your process with 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 Howard before you found the courage years later to write your own lyrics.
1: I would come in with three melodies, and I would play all three complete melodies. And uh, it depended on his mood. He would choose the one that that was the one his mood was in. And um, it was a, uh, he was a one of these geniuses where he could uh, tell a whole story, tie it with a ribbon, and uh, "Hungry Years," uh, "Love so Will Keep favorite. Us," "Love Will Keep Us Together," "Breaking Up Is Hard to Do." It was it was a perfect marriage of words and music. And he, uh, we fought. We had a fight. Said, change that melody. I won't. I said, change that lyric. It doesn't work. Yeah.
2: So that, that,
1: that's the process of well, that's it.
2: That's healthy, too, in a way. It the, is. The, the pushing back against each other, part of the creative process. It is. Yeah. Was Calendar Girl inspired by a, a, a TV guide listing? We saw
1: an old movie and TV guide called Calendar Girl. I don't remember who was in it. Cary Grant? I'm not sure. And... Howie and I said, oh, that'll be a great idea for a pop song going from January through December. And I played it on the piano, and his mother, Howard Greenfield's mother, Ella, said, that's a hit. Even before you get in the studio, it's a hit. But you never knew, because on the the piano it was one thing, but when you got into the studio with the musicians, they had to feel it. They had to feel it. And... That one took about three hours to record, and I was a real pushy Jew. <laughs> I I went I went to the uh, to the I went into the uh, balancing. I went into the uh, production. <laughs> I went into You were the, all,
2: all, all hands-on. Yeah. Uh, hands-on. I said,
1: on. I said, <laughs> I, don't, I can't hear the, the, the months the months of the year. I can't hear the months. And I, I was every step of the way, yeah.
2: I have to share with our listeners, Neil, too, that I was saying before, my wife and I saw you Sunday night at Westbury Music Fair. You were wonderful. Thank you. But, you, but when you played Calendar Girl and you took a break, you left the stage for a minute, you put up that wonderful video, which is possibly the first music video. Yes, of you in all of those changing outfits. You're like Cher, by the way. You changed outfits about twelve times. <laughs> I know. In that video, did your mom really compare you to Cary Grant? Or did yes. You just speak- <laughs> yes. I love that.
1: <laughs> and the story is true. I was having lunch in Los Angeles, uh, and this gal walked up to me and said, "I was Miss January in your video." This is just a few months ago, and I said, "Oh, really?" And uh, she said, "Yes." I said. I said to the audience, she was an old, she looked like an old, old woman, an old, old woman, but I looked the same. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Can you play a little bit more of Calendar Girl for us? Can we put you? I love, I love, I love my Calendar Girl each and every day
1: of the year. January, It's off the year all five. You're my little Valentine. I'm going to march you down the aisle. You're the Easter Bunny when you smile. Yeah, yeah. My heart's in a whirl. Love, I love, love, I love my little calendar girl every day. And so on and so on and wow, so on. Wow, wonderful.
2: Wow. What
0: a Now, treat. you said something, and, and you're proving it on the show. You said something Pavarotti said to you. I met Pavarotti in, in Hawaii several years ago.
1: He said, once you're 70, the voice goes. Well, he was wrong. <laughs> I I still have a
2: voice. It sounded great, Sunday. And you baby it. I mean, I was reading interviews with you. You do the honey and the tea and the lemon, and you'd really no air take conditioning, care of it.
1: No air conditioning in my f- face, and uh, no loud rooms where you have to shout to be heard. Absolutely. No ice drinks. Wow,
2: no. you got a whole process. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about Carol Klein, and because uh, I love too that you guys used to go uptown to find the original versions, the black versions mm-hmm. of these, of these, of white cover. Well, you, were, you 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 guys would go record hunting. We did to find to find these these rarities. We did, and they uh, weren't being played on the radio.
1: That's right, and uh, the first rock and roll record. Carol and I heard was Earth Angel by the Penguins. We went to Andrea's Pizza Parlor on Brighton Beach Avenue, and uh, I said to Howie, we're writing in the style of Richard Rodgers and George Gershwin. I like rock and roll. It's young. It's it's spontaneous. And he said, oh, it's off-key. It's off-key. It's not good. And I I convinced him. But Carol and I used to go looking for records, uh, we used to go to the Apollo Theater. We saw, uh, oh my God, uh, Sarah Vaughan and wow. Ray, Ray Charles, and oh, so many greats.
2: Yeah. So, and, and you guys became high school celebrities too.
1: We we always got up and sang uh, in Brighton Beach on the on the boardwalk. Always sang in bar mitzvahs and weddings, and Lakewood, New Jersey. And up yeah. in the Catskills, yeah, we always, well, we, we sang together.
2: Well, it really wasn't just a matter of, I'm not going to become a classical musician because there's no money in it. I mean, this music was inside of you.
1: I wanted to be famous. That
2: <laughs> I, no shame in it, Neil.
1: <laughs> I wanted to be famous because I was teased as a kid. I wasn't a jock in school. And um, I, every time the film broke, in the auditorium. And now Neil will get up and play. Uh, and everybody went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I said, I'm going to write rock and roll. Of course. And I wrote a song called Mr. Moon. And uh, I did it in uh, the first show at the Ballyhoo in Lincoln High School. And Abe Blast, who's the uh, uh he was the principal. Said you cannot do that in the second show. It's rock and roll. It's bumping and grinding. And the kids wrote a petition. It's like a movie. Wow! Well, the kids wow. wrote a petition. W- we want Neil Sedaka to sing Mister Moon again. That and I did. did.
0: Yeah. I did. And and you said you're like one of the. Hey, I, I. We've had a few guests like this. Like I think it was Bruce Stern was on the show, and he says. He still wants to be a better actor.
2: Well, Neil says he still hasn't written his greatest songs. Yeah.
0: You'd have to develop and grow. You have to raise the bar.
1: You have to reinvent Neil Sedaka. I wrote over 700 songs, and I don't think I wrote the greatest one ever. I really don't. But now there's no incentive, unfortunately. You know, the billboard and, and hearing it on the radio and getting the royalties. Now there's really no... Uh, record uh system anymore uh so um i just did my 50th studio album called i do it for applause i did it that night yeah, it was
2: great it was gr- great thank you yeah thank you yeah really wonderful so let's talk about that string of hits leading up to 63 the dreaded 1963 but you had a run of hits
1: the diary Stairway, yes. to heaven before, Stairway to Heaven before Led right. Zeppelin. That's right, not yes. Led Zeppelin, yes. Stairway to Heaven. Uh, right next
2: door to an angel.
1: Uh, next door to an angel. a Girl, Little right. Devil. Right. stupid um,
2: Cupid. Stupid Cupid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a great run. A really a wonderful run. run. Breaking Up is hard to do, obviously.
1: And then 63, the Beatles came in, and I was finished. Yeah. They didn't want any more solo American singers. And people would say, didn't you used to be Neil Sedaka? Whatever happened to you? And um, I waited. I knew there were more hits in me. And I waited for the 70s. Cat Stevens, Joni Mitchell. The singer-songwriter. Singer-songwriter. Yeah. And Carol had Tapestry. I said, I can do that. And uh, I went uh, to Elton John. Actually, I was touring in England. And Elton John was a fan. And he said, I'm going to make you a star again. And he had record, Rocket Records. He was starting in, in New York. and um,
2: Another turning point.
1: He said, uh, uh, what do you have? And I played him, Trolling along country roads. He said, I'm going to make that number one. And he did,
0: thanks to him. Yeah. And, and it seemed like America had given up on the American singers, but England still wanted to hear That's right.
1: This. They were very faithful to uh, the American original rock and rollers. They they loved and the an
2: appreciation for for those guys for Chubby Checker and, and yes, John Berry and yes, and all of those people absolutely and yourself and
1: Little Richard yeah Paul McCartney said to me we used to want to write like the the Brill Building we wanted to write like Neil and Howie and Carol and Jerry it was that's what they were raised that way Elton John I I met Mick Jagger he said I the first record I bought was I go ape I go ape every time I see you smile. A ding dong gorilla carry on, K bandsta <laughs> <laughs> Funny, so, funny. We had
2: those 45s in the house, Neil.
1: Yeah. So,
0: so you had dealings with the Beatles later on. Uh, later on, we had parties.
1: Elton had parties for us, and uh, Paul McCartney was there. John Lennon, and I wrote a song dedicated to John Lennon called "The Immigrant." Oh, which which uh, was a top uh, twenty hit. And uh, it's strange. I wrote it with Phil Cody in nineteen seventy-six, and it, it's more relevant today I was say, than it has ever been. It really C- is. Can can I
2: bother you for that? Oh, it's beautiful.
1: Uh, harbors open their arms to the young searching foreigner. Come to live in the light of the beacon of liberty. The chorus is, there was a time when strangers were welcome here. Music would play, they tell me the days were sweet, sweet and clear. It was a sweeter tune and there was so much room that people could come from everywhere. It's on this
2: wonderful DVD. Yes. The show goes on. Yeah, John was flattered that you that you uh, yes, that we, you we were on WNEW, we,
1: we we did an interview together. He said people always called me to say for a fa- ask for a favor, and he said Neil Sedaka, you called me and said you dedicated a song to me. He was having trouble getting a green card because of the the drugs.
2: Sure, I remember those days too. I remember when EJ the DJ when Elton would would uh, would DJ on local stations, mm-hmm. and he, play, he played the hell out of your records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. It, I want to go back to 63, too, because, and I was saying this to Gilbert. You're very funny on stage, and when you, when you introduced the Beatle thing, when you introduced 1963, you said, and then the Beatles came, and then your face dropped, and you went, not good. <laughs> 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 the crash to the bottom, as you call it in the book. But I like a lot of the songs that you, you were writing. You are using that time to write for other people. Puppet Man.
1: Yes, uh, uh, r- Working on a Groovy Thing. Yeah,
2: and Rainy Jane. You, some of my favorite mm-hmm. Neil Sedaka songs you wrote during that thank period. You, thank you. So you were certainly making the best of a difficult situation.
1: Peggy Lee, uh, Andy Williams. Amarillo. Amarillo, which yeah. was the which biggest love. biggest single in uh, uh, English history. Yeah, yeah. That's a, It's a great song.
2: It
0: wasn't even a hit in Amarillo, Texas. <laughs> yeah. And you've kept up on, like, current us uh, songwriters and singers? Uh, I think uh, you have to bounce off each other.
1: Uh, talented people uh, get inspiration from others. You bounce off each other when you hear a great piece of work. Absolutely.
2: One of the things that's fascinating about the book, obviously, is the journey. Is, is, is all of this wonderful success followed by what you describe, like I said there's a chapter in the book you call The Crash of the Bottom, and then, you know, your ambition, it's inspiring how you are determined, you are hell-bent to get back to that mountaintop.
1: Every, anyone else would have quit. I was off the charts 11, 12 years. Anybody else would have quit. But I knew that there were more stuff in me. I knew that I could uh, emulate the culture of the time. Uh, as you said, Gilbert, you hear people, you say, well, I could be like... Gordon Lightfoot or Cat Stevens, and you emulate it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, and I have to ask you about uh, the first comeback album, if I may, Emergence. My favorite. Yeah, which is a terrific record and shows your love of the movies. I might. Add. Silent, silent yeah. movies. Yeah, there's a there's a song, Gilbert, which is a tribute to Chaplin and Keaton. Oh,
0: geez. And Laurel and Hardy. Okay, well,
1: okay. Got I it. can't. I can't play it now.
2: <laughs> but uh, it's. But it was inspiring to see that. Howie Greenfield, uh, he, yeah. was, he was wow. great. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's an unusual record.
0: Um, I can't remember it offhand. What, what are your memories of going to the movies as a child?
1: I, I loved the uh, Lana Turner, Betty Grable, uh, Betty Davis, Joan Crawford. Um, I loved uh, the sad movies, the romantic movies. Uh, Tear my, Jerkers. Tear Jerkers. Yeah.
2: A good cry. A good Douglas <laughs> Sirk movie. <laughs> <laughs> Imitation <laughs> of life. Imitation. Yeah,
1: oh, did I cry?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I saw <it laughs> five times. I cried. That's a good one. Mahalia Jackson sang at the funeral. <laughs> That's I cried. A humor. Oh, my <laughs> God. Did you meet
2: the great Richard Rogers right around this period? You
1: know? I was a friend of Mary Rogers, Richard uh-huh. Rogers' daughter. Uh-huh. We had homes up in Marywell Park. And... Uh, She said, when she heard the Emergence album, she said, you have to meet my father, Richard Rodgers. And I was very nervous. I got my best suit on. He had an office on Madison Avenue in the 50s. And I went in and I played songs. He said, get away from the piano. That's too easy for you. Bring me a project. Bring me a story. And we'll write a show together. And I said, oh, my God. And I was very involved in my career, sure. doing concerts. I didn't know theater. Were you tempted at least? I was a schmuck. <laughs> 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 I was a real schmuck. I should have come up with a with a a, a project.
2: Yeah. yeah. How about that? Yeah. What a, what a what a guy to have a to, to a th- be a fan of. What a to thrill to be a fan of yours. What a thrill. Yeah. And now you've
0: won loads of awards over the years, but you don't really look too highly on awards.
1: Well, you know, it's nice to get them, but you have to look forward. Um, I'm, I am I, I, have a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and I'm in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and I have a street named after me. You just got me. an
2: honorary doctorate?
1: I did. Yes. I wore the cap and yes. the gown.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Moravian College. Very in, impressive. In Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I was very, very excited, because I really never finished uh, Juilliard. I only went three years to the college. Uh, But um, I went back to my roots. I started writing again, uh, for the first time, classical music. I wrote a piano concerto called Manhattan Intermezzo, and it was just recorded by uh, Jeffrey Beagle, a great concert pianist. And I wrote my first uh, symphony called Joie de Vive, Joy of Life. My piano concerto is... A 20,
2: 20 minute piece with the symphony I listened last night it's a little Gershwin-esque where little it starts to pick up and change tempo mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah, very ambitious I did it
1: I recorded it in London with the London Symphony and I did it in Hyde Park for 45,000 people I played in Hyde Park with, with the symphony it was great
2: when you met McCartney didn't he start singing a Neil Sedaka song? that's when the music yeah. takes me <laughs> yes yes how flattering and he invited me
1: my son and my grandson to his show a few years ago at the MGM Grand in Vegas wow and we went backstage my, my grandson was a big is a big fan and he was about eight years old at the time he had pictures of Paul McCartney on the wall and I said Michael when you go in he's a little bit older he looks a little older than the the photos you have on your wall so don't Say anything, and he, he afterwards he said, "Papa, my heart was going." Blah, 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 blah. Paul McCartney. I met Paul McCartney, and Paul couldn't be sweeter. He was just lovely, just a lovely guy.
2: You willing to forgive him now? Neil? Yes, yes, <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. <laughs> for sixty-three. <laughs> <And> yes,
0: <laughs> it, it's interesting that the Beatles kind of ended your career for a while, and they were influenced And by fans. You. I think it's so. That's the DACA
1: fans. Well, you know, uh, we were the pioneers. Uh, uh, wh- who was it? Uh, Elvis and uh, Buddy Holly and Roy Orbison. I was very lucky to be part of that group.
2: Tell us about meeting Elvis in 76 since you brought it up.
1: He invited Libra and I to the show. and um, Your wife, Lieber. My wife, yeah. Libra, And we went backstage, and he gave Lieber a scarf. He said, I think will match your outfit she still has the scarf and he sat down and played some gospel songs and he said uh, I have a a record of him singing solitaire with the outtakes wow and on one of the outtakes he said I can't stand that sadaka he has too many high notes I can't hit them (laughs) (laughs) I I have an outtake of Elvis saying that uh, in the studio (laughs)
2: Yeah. One of my favorite parts of the show Sunday was when you took the audience through the process of, of, of writing a song. In particular, "Love Will Keep Us Together."
1: Yes, I start with a beat because uh, I was from Dick Clark's American Bandstand. You had a beat. i had to have
2: a beat to dance to it.
1: You have to dance. I give it a ninety-two. I love it. <laughs> and then with my voice, I look for a melody. It's kind of a spontaneous uh, improvisation. Ba- the melody comes from listening to singers. If I hear a singer like Diana Ross, that timbre of that beautiful voice, yeah. ooh, so I'm inspired, I can write a melody for that. <laughs> <laughs> and the Beach Boys, uh, the great Brian Wilson, the genius, uh, he had.
2: I stole Oh, do it. it again.
1: I stole it. <laughs>
2: Just the beat, just the beat.
1: And then uh, Al Green used to do uh, augmented chords like this. So I put together Al Green, Diana Ross, and the Beach Boys. Love, love will keep us together. That's how I wrote
2: it. Perfect. Wow. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love how you revealed the process.
1: Well, you know, that's it. Yeah. You it's have to.
2: great hearing that song. And I must have heard that song 200 times before I realized. And we, by the way, we did a live sing-along show. Did you tell Neil, Dara? We did a live sing-along show, episode of this show about, about a week ago. Rob's here too, for about 70 people and the whole room we did a sing-along of Love Will Keep Us Together. Oh, my God. We'll s- with Gilbert leading. Yes, we'll send you sh- the yes. We'll send you the tape.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I put it in an album, uh, Elton's uh, Rocket Records, yeah. Sadaka's Back, Sadaka's Back, and Kip Cohn was a producer on AM and a new group called The Captain and Tennille were just signed to AM. and Kip Cohn played my record of Love Will Keep Us Together and Tony Tennille fell off her chair. She said, we're going in tomorrow. (laughs) We're going in to record this tomorrow. And they sent me the record. I almost fell off my chair because it was such a great record. Yes.
2: God. I was going to say, I heard it 200 times before I heard, Sadaka is back. At the end. That Tony Tennille put in.
1: Spontaneously, she sang, Sadaq is back at the end of that record. Wow.
2: Really great. Yeah. And
0: we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast, after this, and now, 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 here's something just for me. Uh oh! Can 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 you and I, even if you don't want to do the whole song, can you and I together sing "Breaking Up Is Hard to Do"? Why not? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, why, why don't you let him start, Gil? Okay, you take this uh, middle part.
1: Down dooby doo, down down. I was the king of the patrol- tra-la-las and dooby doos. What are you gonna sing? Which part? Why
2: don't we give him the middle part from Remember when you held me tight? Okay. You can start it. If you start it that way he'll get on he'll get on board.
1: Okay. Remember when you held me tight. You start. Remember when Well well
3: oh, you'll sing
0: you're the beginning. Oh, he wants you to don't sing don't it from the top love and I'll jump.
2: In.
1: Away from me. Don't you leave my heart in misery? If you go, then I'll be blue. Breaking up is hard to do.
0: Remember when <laughs> down,
1: down. you
0: held me tight and you kissed me all through the night. <laughs> oh Think God. of all that we've been through and breaking up is hard to do. They say that breaking up is This is the end Instead of breaking up I wish that we were making up again Now you I beg <laughs> of you
1: Don't quit your job He begs of you so loving. That was good That was good
0: Oh, thank you Very good Oh,
1: thanks And then I re-recorded it Don't take your love Away from me I had number one both times.
2: Yeah, it's great. Who came up with the idea? Was it John Reed Elton's manager of putting you in the Godfather getup for the Sadaka's back Yes, John, cover? Reed,
1: John Reed wanted me in a Godfather hat and suit, and um, it was, uh, I went through all those years with Elton, uh, the beginning years, and the drug years, and... Uh, he bought me a gorgeous diamond watch.
2: <laughs> he, he used to he, go on he, those spending sprees in those days. He used days.
1: to open up Cartier on Rodeo Drive at 8 o'clock in the morning. They opened it up just for Elton. And he would buy gifts for people. And he bought me a gorgeous diamond face watch. Beautiful. He was yeah. very generous. Very generous. Did you see the Elton John movie? It was marvelous. Yeah. yeah. It was marvelous. Yeah. And the Pavarotti
2: uh The Ron Howard documentary. The Ron Howard documentary. Oh, I documentary.
1: Seen it yet. oh my god. Yeah. I cried. I cried through it. But the Elton John movie is better than Bohemian Rhapsody. I loved it. Better.
2: Here, here, here's an odd one, Neil. You co-hosted the Mike Douglas show with yes. Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire. I did. As Jeez. Guests. Any memories?
1: Well, they didn't know who the hell I was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew them. <laughs> I saw all their movie. I saw their movies. But I did, I co-hosted The Mike Douglas Show many times and I think the producer was, who was the Fox guy? Roger Rails. Roger Ailes produced the, when I was on The uh, Mike Douglas Show.
2: You ain't kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A couple other things about the the. the one of my favorite parts of the book too is is you and Elton and the Sadakas back period and all of these people. I mean, it's an adventure. It's you're going to these parties and you're hop, you're meeting Peter Sellers mm-hmm. and Rod Stewart mm-hmm. and, and tell and tell us about that Troubadour show because that's also uh, yes a big moment.
1: Um, uh, Libra and I were at the uh, Beverly Hills Hotel getting ready for the Troubadour it was my big comeback show, and we were listening to um, uh, and
2: everybody was there.
1: Everybody was there, uh, Andy Williams, James Taylor, Elton, uh, everybody was there, and I was scared stiff. Uh, I went up, and it was funny, just before, on the radio, going in, in the car, Casey Kasem said, and now the new number one song is Laughter in the Rain by Neil Sedaka, and Libra and I cried. It was just so, so it was an unbelievable, wow. unbelievable feeling. It
2: all came back. Yeah, yeah, have a number one record again. Do you remember, we've asked this of the musicians that we've had on the show, do you remember hearing one of your songs, either one of your vocals or a song you wrote for somebody else on the radio for the first time? Because that had to be a life-changing moment. Yes,
1: the diary. First uh, time. I wrote in a 1958 Chevy Impala convertible, a white car with the fins in the back. And I rode down King's Highway in Brooklyn. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, <laughs> I turned that.
1: top down. I turned the radio all the way up so everybody can hear me singing. How I'd like to look into that little book. The one that has the lock and key. It was a dream come true. It was a, dr- it was a miracle. Did
2: you ever see that movie that Tom Hanks directed about the, the young group, That Thing You Do? Yes. It's that, there's that great scene where they hear their, their song on the radio for the first time.
1: It's a thrill. Actually, uh, the one before was the Cookies, Passing Time, was the first uh, R&B hit I had, and I heard it on the radio, and that was, a great, that was a great thrill, yeah.
2: Can you tell me personally, because I love this song, and my wife and I actually got teary listening to you sing it the other night, and that's The Hungry Years, which is my favorite. And I and I watched videos of you singing it, and you look like you actually get emotional from singing the song. Is it, a, is it about? Do you care to reveal anything about? Well, is it about you and Howie?
1: No, it's about Sonny and Cher who were breaking up, and they oh, never knew that they uh, Howie and I were inspired by their story. You know, they uh, struggled, and when they hit the top, they started to break apart. And there hasn't been any song with that particular subject. Beautiful. Michael Feinstein said he played it for Patty Andrews before she died from the Andrews sisters. Wow. And she was crying because she and her sisters didn't talk anymore. Going up to the fame, they were close. And then once they got uh, big, they started to break apart. And Patty Andrews started to cry on that song.
2: It must touch everybody who went through a similar experience that way.
1: Yes, I remember finishing it with Howie, and uh, he brought in his partner, Tori, and uh, I brought in Lieber into the room, and I, we sang The Hungry Years. There wasn't a dry
2: eye. And fair to say that you and Howie also, I mean, it could almost be about you guys. You had Hungry Years.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And eventually
2: went your separate ways.
1: And the last song we wrote was called Our Last Song Together.
2: That's another beauty.
1: Yeah.
0: And now, can I put you on the spot for uh, Hungry Years? Uh, I'm going to cry. Girl, we made it to the top. We went so high, we
1: couldn't stop. We climbed the ladder, leading us nowhere. Two of us together. Building castles in the air We spun so fast We couldn't tell The gold ring from the carousel How could we know the ride would turn out bad Everything we wanted Was everything we had I miss the hungry years, the once upon a time. Lovely long ago, we didn't have a dime. Those days of me and you, we lost along the way. And so on and so forth and so on forth. So
2: Fantastic. Wow. You sound wonderful. You sound better than ever. Well, Pavarotti was wrong. He was wrong, <laughs> damn him! <laughs> and you underrated <laughs> it as a singer. And That song was covered by everybody: by Rita Coolidge, by Engelbert, by Andy Williams, by Johnny Mathis, mm. Peggy Lee. Mm. Beautiful. Huh. Now you say, I—far be it for me to disagree with the maestro—but you say you haven't written your your best song, and I—I I think that one's going to be hard to top.
1: <sighs> maybe, maybe I—I'm I, going more now for the classical music because it. It's more challenging. You have more creative freedom when you write a classical piece. Uh, The changes, the chords, the form. Uh, But, you know, there's nothing like the two-and-a-half-minute song.
2: Can we ask you one question from a listener who's a rabbi? Uh Ah. David Komarovsky, our friend. Does Neil have any fond memories of his cousin, the great Edie Gourmet?
1: My cousin was Edie Gourmet. Uh, The original name... Idi Gomezano, also Sephardic Jew. Her parents came from Istanbul, Turkey as well. One of the great singers of our time, one of the belters, she's in the class of Streisand. Absolutely. She recorded a couple of my songs. Round and round I go in circles trying to be free. Since you went away, the world is closing in on me. And my world Getting smaller every day. Edie Gourmet was one of, the great, one of the greatest. And when she passed away, Steve and I cried and reminisced. And...
2: Yes, we were very sad to hear the news, the recent news about Steve. Yes. We've tried to get him here since we started this, this damn thing in 2014.
1: Oh, one of the great male voices,
2: absolutely. And a wonderful yes. raconteur. Uh, funny. Very, funny great storyteller funny, and funny. And... Yes, very sad. I'm
0: sorry and to hear that. And I think sorry. Frank Sinatra admired uh, Steve Lawrence's singing. Absolutely. I think besides Sinatra,
1: Tony Bennett, Victor Mohn was the greatest technical singer, and Steve Lawrence was another great, technical, beautiful singer.
2: Yeah, he could do anything. Yeah. One last question from a guest. You might enjoy this one from Paul Byrne. Given that Neil seems like a very nice, perfectly pleasant fellow... What's the most rock and roll thing he's ever done?
3: <sighs>
2: well, we all took a
1: little drugs in the in the old days. We did a little here. And Andy Warhol and me and Liza would go into oh, the no. Studio 54, a little a little toot here and there. But, wow. But, and then I got some grass. From, I'm loving from, this. I got some grass from um, uh, VG's. Uh, oh. Barry Gibb. Oh. Ga- that
2: must have been good grass. Gave me
1: some grass. He said, try writing a song on the grass. And he was correct. Because <laughs> I came up with something great. But the next morning, when you listen to it, it was, it was shit.
3: <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> yeah, perfectly honest answer. We appreciate your honesty. Tell us about your life now. You got grandchildren? I they have, call you Papa Neil. Papa I heard you Neil. say the other night.
1: I have a twin girls, sixteen, and a, a boy, thirteen. I'm Papa Neil, and I did an album called um, "Waking Up" is hard to do because they wanted me to change the words to be child friendly. Yeah, kid songs, yeah, kid song. They sang the up vocals. They was eight, nine years old, and then I said, "I'm going to write a book." And I wrote a children's book called Dinosaur Pet, which was number uh, three on the New York Times bestseller. One and two... I remember,
2: th- that's the first time we met. You were on the Joy Behar show plugging that book.
1: That's right. Yes. Number one and two with 50, Fifty Shades of Grey.
2: Yes. And yes.
0: Can, can we just sing the comma, comma, down, doobie-doo, down, down part together? Just that... You're making it work. Ready? Yeah.
1: Do-do-do, down, doobie do down, down. Comma, comma, down, doobie doo, down, down. Comma, comma, down, doobie doo, down, down. Breaking up is hard to do. And I was the king of every time we read out of lyrics, we put in a dooby doo. <laughs>
2: Oh, you're the king of tra-la-las and doobie-doos.
1: And I kept it in the record. It became a Neil Sedaka trademark. Right. So many records had doobie-doos. And
2: then you named one of those 70s records, The Tra-La Days Are Over. That's correct. Yes, 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 yes. That is correct. You were wonderful the other night. And if people, so, it's a, it's a limited tour schedule these days. I, I, wanna, I We want to tell our listeners where to go see you.
1: Thank you. I just do uh, uh, isolated eight, maybe eight or nine concerts a year at this age. The traveling is hard. But I love when I get up on the stage, it's that adrenaline, endorphin rush.
2: But if people go to the website, Rob is here too. He's nodding. They can see the they can see the upcoming dates. You're going to be in Canada. I saw you're going to be in California, in Washington State, and in yes. Hawaii. So you're traveling pretty pretty long distances.
1: I well, Libra wants to wear nice clothes.
0: <laughs> oh, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> and. and- Frank was at the concert. It was wonderful, and he told me so. And I hadn't said anything to Frank about this when when you heard the song. And what did you? What was your reaction?
2: You know, he's talked. We've we've. What if we had two hundred and sixty guests on yeah. the show? He's brought up my Yiddish mama probably ten times. With 10 different guests. Yeah. Who oh, was it, Jessel? Well, they used uh, to uh, sing uh, it?
0: Yeah. My Yiddish mama.
2: <laughs> you heard of <it>, Jessel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Sophie
1: Tucker, I did a Yiddish album called Neil Sedaka Sings Brighton Beach Memories, and I did it, My Yiddish mama. Es gibt besser in der A Yiddish mama. Baby bitted when he felt the shen on is in highs, when the mamas do. The troydic finster veil, when got off a habu. gorgeous song,
2: beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's a gorgeous song. He's brought it up oh. twenty times. I wish I wrote it. Now we got a live version. Wow! Plugs, Neil. I'm going to plug this book, even though it's hard to find. Neil Sedaka: Laughter in the Rain, My Own Story.
1: There's a better one by Rich Podalski. Oh! Called Neil Sedaka: The Rock and Roll Survivor. It's about three or four years old. Okay.
2: I was going to get that one, but I thought I'd get the one in your own voice.
1: The 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 other one is even better. Even better.
2: And this wonderful CD, which I picked up at the concert, Neil Sedaka by Popular Demand. Thank you. And this one, I don't know if this is out of print too, but the show goes on, which has you and Tony Christie yes, doing a wonderful duet on Amarillo.
1: On the Albert Hall. I did the Albert Hall, yes, yeah, many yeah, times.
2: Yeah. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do a lot of promotion for this and a lot of social media. We want people to go see you.
1: It was such a delight, really. A delight. I've been a great admirer of yours. Oh, thank and, you. And, uh, you know, we know what it is to be in this business. It's not easy. Not easy. Two
2: Brooklyn kids made good. That's
1: right. That's right. And uh, you do it, why? Because of the applause, the adoration, the love.
0: And the check at the
2: end of them.: Why not?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the
2: emis. You do it for the applause, Dan. He does it for the, sh- for the, the, sh- the shekels. The emis is true. <laughs> That's the bottom line. I don't know when I've had more fun doing one of these. Uh,
1: and your wife is the same name as my daughter, Dara. Yes. I have a daughter,
0: Dara. Wow!
2: They had a hit and, record.
0: And, and what was your your father's name? Mac. Max was my father's name. You're kidding. And now it's my son's name.
2: Wonderful. Could you guys be cousins too? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: but Dara's a beautiful name. Beautiful. Ever look at these? She's people, a beautiful
2: lady. Who, these people who came out to see you. We we do a lot of these shows, and we don't usually have an audience. And there's a. In fact, you might recognize that gentleman way in the back. Does he look familiar to you?
1: Uh, yeah. Dave Milstein Yes, hi Dave, how are you?
2: <laughs> Your old assistant this, I can't remember having more fun this, this Doing one of these great. Neil, this was an this absolute was treat I loved it, especially having
1: a keyboard in front of me It was so wonderful
2: Well, we have to thank Dave Seidel and, uh, and Jared O'Connell And the yes. nice people here at Earwolf for providing that We didn't
1: do a whole song,
0: next time we'll do a whole song You'll
2: come back? Absolutely I've got more cards And,
0: and as Frank will tell you I always love to have a Jew guest on the show <laughs> 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 Be- better than the Goyam Schuttz.
2: <laughs> the man is the consummate entertainer. I have to say, and I, I'm repeating myself now, but your show is also very funny. I, do, there's I, some I... physical, there's some dancing, there's some shtick. <laughs> There's a little bit of everything.
1: I don't know. I, uh, maybe I'm, I I've did the wrong thing all these years. Maybe I should have uh, done something else.
2: You're a great entertainer. Thank you. And my wife and I were thrilled at the show. And this was a blast. Darin, did you have fun? Yes. The best. Yes. We won't top this one so, for a while, Neil. So this has been
0: Gilbert Gottfried's amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santopadre and the great, great Neil Sadaka. Thank you both. Thank you. you do. Robert Godfrey's amazing colossal podcast is produced by Dara Godfrey and Frank Santa Padre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Fotiadis, John Murray, and Paul Rayburn.